This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Shall we begin? <laughs> Expecto Patronum! I made my family disappear. Kevin, you're completely helpless. No, Kevin, you're what the French call les incompetents. Kevin, I'm going to feed you to my tarantula. Kevin, you are such a disease. There are 15 people in this house, and you're the only one who has to make trouble. Look what you did, you little jerk. I made my family disappear. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmila and Arvin. It is not Christmas, but it is Child Star Week here on Popcorn Culture uh, because tomorrow we're going to be reviewing Stranger Things Season 4 Part 2. So today we thought it would be fun to throw back 22 years ago to Home Alone. I haven't actually watched Home Alone in maybe nearly as much time as that. Um, so I was quite excited. I was also a little bit nervous because I thought re-watching it, I might discover that it's not really as enjoyable as it was, that you have to be a kid to enjoy it. But no lah, I had so much fun re-watching this movie. It made me laugh. It made me cry. Um, it's great. Does this movie ever age? Which is, an, which is a genuine question because I know that we use the word uh, timeless a lot when doing these throwbacks, when describing uh, older movies because they still work, right? Uh, so I, I think when we say that, we mean that it ages well. But I am asking if this movie ever ages because to me, it's like, it's like Jurassic Park in the sense that it because of the practical effects, because of the, the performances, the acting or, or how tangible the movie is, it's something that I could watch today and not pin on an actual year in the 90s or, you know, say that it's from the 2000s. It's it's a movie that just doesn't age for me, I think. Only if you pay attention to the fact that nobody has cell phones and that air travel was so much more pleasurable. <laughs> but beyond that, no, I don't think it does. It's So I haven't watched this film for something I like. I, I don't even know. I think um, ever since I was a kid. So this is my first time re-watching it. And like you, Sharmila, I was worried that it was going to be very kiddy. Um, you know, because I guess as a kid, the thing that you latch onto um, are the traps, the the pratfalls, the, the gags, right, that mm. happen um, and that Home Alone in some ways is famous for. So I think it's um, interesting to watch it as an adult and recognise that the stuff that most people remember it for is only about 10 to 15% of the actual film, and that most of the film is, as the title suggests, actually dealing with a kid being, for the first time, home alone and far away from his family. I was quite shocked by that, actually, that, um, you know, at a particular point, I paused the movie and I realised that we hadn't even gotten to the the parts that I remember, right? Mm-hmm. The the actual robbery, the actual parts where uh, Marv and Harry are like, you know, basically being decimated as they try to get into this house. <laughs> um, that's only really like the final 20 minutes, I want to say. And the rest of the film is actually this kind of quirky, delightful adventures of a kid trapped alone at home. And I realised then why, as a child, this movie was so much fun to watch. Because it really is kind of every child's dream slash nightmare to be like Mm. at home alone, calling the shots, until it finally dawns on you that it also means that there's no one there to help you. 
It's a, it's a dream slash nightmare until you realize that you have the upper hand because it's your house. And I think that's the that's the dream, right? So you're like, you're like okay, there are invaders coming in, they're like robbers, whatever. But then it's your house. So you know your house best and you know how to trap these people. Um, I don't know how to describe like the enjoyment I get when watching Home Alone because it's not the same as a lot of older movies. So I won't call it nostalgia because of that, that ageless, timeless factor. Um, but it's also not, I'm not heavily invested. Uh, I'm not like ha-ha laughing out loud. It's a kind of, uh, it's either a kind of a warmth or coziness or it's like a blanket. Um, and it's very easy to have in the background. You don't have to watch the whole movie. You can just come in and out. Um, as long as it's going on in some space and you hear it or you see it, it's a very comfortable movie to watch. And I don't think that has ever changed uh, from the time it has come on, from the first time I saw it. It, it has that level of comfort that's very, very consistent. It, it doesn't matter if you've seen it like five times, six times, eight times. So I think that that has to do with the fact that it has something for kids and adults, right? Because when mm. you're a child, you're not necessarily recognizing that this is a movie that your parents for some weird reason are happy to sit down next to you and also enjoy. Um, You know, you're not necessarily thinking about your parents at all. But when you watch it as an adult, uh, I think it's quite easy to suddenly recognise all the ways in which it's actually a very rewarding watch um, for us. People who have grown up but maybe didn't want to. Um, You know, people who... (laughs) The Peter Pan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) The people who have that experience of looking at Kevin and thinking, yeah, I I remember what it was like to to feel that way. Um, But also watching the parents, Kate and Peter, and thinking... No, but I, I also know how you're feeling. I would also yeah, do, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter that I just flew however many hours, 12 hours or whatever to get to Paris, I'm going to turn around. So I, I think that it has that kind of balance of being like a good book where you read it at different ages and you get different things out of it. And a lot of that rests actually in John Hughes because as a kid, you think Macaulay Culkin is the, the thing that's making the, the whole movie work. As an adult, I think, um, for me at least, it was the John Hughesiness of it all because he did write and produce it. Yes, and you can actually see it, right? Um, I mean, Chris Chris Columbus is often credited with being uh, a lot of the reasons why Home Alone works, and you can see that in the in the more childish scenes, um, in the pratfalls, in the in the focus on like toys, for instance. But uh, there is a underlying melancholy to the scene. There is a little bit of a bite or nastiness that John Hughes sometimes brings to, uh, and I don't mean nastiness in in a sort of extreme way. But even when the start of the film and you see the family, the, this huge crazy family interacting, right? A part of me was actually a little bit shocked at how mean they were to Kevin. Mm. Uh, because I'm like, this is an eight-year-old kid. Everyone's really mean to him. Um, and the movie kind of doesn't make a big deal about it, but also kind of does, because that then precipitates why uh, he gets locked up. It's also why he's happy initially that they're all gone. So I think that balance of like the harsh realities of life, but also a, a sweetness is something that's very John Hughes. But also that uh, that blend of being cartoony um, and being real when he sets up the traps because the traps hurt like and they look like they genuinely oh, hurt. Oh, that nail scene yeah. still yeah, yeah. gets me. It's a quiet place. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. It's basically oh, a quiet I'm, place. I'm never going to unsee quiet place now. I'm going to think of Marv. 
Yeah. I screamed. Like I knew it was going to happen and yet I was like, "Oh no, Marv." Yeah. Because it can't be just like, you know, them uh, it, it can't be soft, right? Th- those things don't work if you don't see the two of them getting hurt. And it's the fact that you see of them getting physically injured. You see like bruises in their faces, changing colors, um like actual <laughs> physical harm put upon them. It's and and it's funny. Like that's funny because you know that it's in this context of being like a sort of cartoony movie. But yeah, it's it's that harshness that you were talking about. So, um before we talk about the the family a little bit more and the kids, um I I did think we can spend some time talking about Marvin and um Mary because the thing about them is they're genuinely quite menacing, right? Um mm. and and I mean you don't get Joe Pesci in a film um and not expect him to bring a little menace, not yeah. expect him to to bring a little bit of that that fear of god in you. Um and yet the balance that is struck between being genuinely frightening but also very very funny, I think is key because you need to believe that they they will do you harm. You need to believe that there is threat. Otherwise the the movie is too weightless. On the other hand, I mean, he is an eight-year-old boy alone in a house. You don't necessarily want to see him come to harm. So it's, in some ways, the job of the script, but also the job of the actors to strike that balance between menace and comedy. Um, and there are some scenes in the house where they almost nearly get him, uh, where I actually felt a chill in my heart. Like, I knew what was going to happen. I knew that he wasn't going to come to harm. And yet I was like, Kevin, run! It, it's. I felt like Marv would be okay with, like, kidnapping. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, you had that yeah, vibe, yeah. yeah. You genuinely um, believe I that. I mean, yeah. Marv's the one who floods the houses. There's something genuinely off about that guy. Wet bandits. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's a signature. Yeah. Um, I, I think they were perfectly cast. I, I cannot speak to what the machinations were behind the scenes that uh, put someone like Joe Pesci in a movie like this. Um, but well, it's it was going to be Robert De Niro. Which would have been That's amazing. True. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will not hear ill-spoken of uh, Harry. I think Joe Pesci's perfect in this role. He's awesome. Um, I think one of my favourite pieces of movie trivia is when he went method in this movie for Home Alone (laughs) of all things. Like he would he would uh, he would scare the kids. I think at one point he actually bit uh, uh, Kevin's uh, Macaulay Culkin's finger uh, and some skin came off there was some 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 weirdness and I don't know why he put so much of himself into this role of all things but just knowing that he did but it like, pays off it pays off because look at the look at the gravitas Honest, in that performance I feel like you're joking and yet it kind of doesn't warrant a joke there yeah. is like it's a genuinely good performance um, we're talking today about Home Alone um, which came out in 1990 in light of the fact that we're doing sort of a child star week um, and this of course featured Macaulay Culkin it was directed by Chris Columbus written and produced by John Hughes have you rewatched Home Alone recently? We would strongly recommend. You don't have to wait for Christmas. It's great. Um, let us know. You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Become fabulous millionaires. BFM 89.9. Where the hell did you take your shoes off? Why the hell are you dressed like a chicken? I'm up here, you morons. Come and get me. <laughs> you guys give up or you're thirsty for more? Heads up! Don't worry, Marv, I'll get him for you! Yes! 
Hello, everybody. You are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Sharmila and Arvin. It is Throwback Tuesday. Today, we are throwing it back to Home Alone. And I think the time has come to talk about the McAllisters. Uh, we spoke earlier about the Wet Bandits and, and they're, they're a very crucial <laughs> component. But let's start with Macaulay Culkin because we've come this far and not actually spoken about this, which was really the the thing that people still remember him for. The, ah, the Kevin, the you know, just the, all of it. He's so cute, though. Like, as an adult, right, when you watch him, you realise why this kid was a star. Um, I was one of... I, as a child, I was actually a big fan of him. Um, I know him from My Girl and then Home Alone, uh, The Good Kid, uh, Richie Rich. Oh, he's, he was really Michael Jackson music videos. Of course, mm. yes. Mm. Um, so I was a big fan of him as a kid, but as a kid. But now as an adult, when I look back, I'm like... He's so cute. He's also actually really likable and believable and he knows how to play to the camera. Um, child stars are special in a very particular way because um, the assumption is that they need a lot of direction, right? But I don't know what kind of direction he needed, but he, he was a star you, and you can see it in this film. So I, I think that um, the reason Home Alone works is not because of the comedy or the, the booby traps that he sets all over his house or the pratfalls or any of those things. I, I honestly think it's because of Kevin McAllister. Um, it's not just about having a kid in this scenario, uh, in his home, doing all these things. It's about having Kevin specifically. And I think because of the character and because of how he makes it work and because of the performance, Home Alone is is Home Alone. And it is why why it is that way, right? Um, as proven by the sequels, like Home Alone 3 and Home Alone 4, and then God knows what else, there's this new one, like Home Sweet, Home Alone or something. None of them work. None mm. of, and nothing against like those kids who, who played those parts in those movies, but none of them are Kevin McAllister. Um, so I think he is the secret ingredient to the movie. Like there's no other, there's no two ways around it, I think. I 100% agree. And a lot of that comes down to, you said playing to the camera. So the thing about child stars is by their very nature, they read precocious, right? Like mm. to most of us, we know that this is a child doing an adult's job. Even if you get lost in their performance, even if they're amazing, you know that this is a child who is precocious. And precocious children cut both ways. On the one hand, very cute. Uh, on the other hand, you know, too adult for their own good. That kind of thing, right? And I think that he really does make you believe that he's just a very smart eight-year-old. Like that he's a smart, yes. wise-cracking eight-year-old um, who also, when he gets really mad at his family, like really, really mad and disappointed with them, I believed him. Um, when he started to feel afraid or to miss them uh, or to interact with people even beyond his family, like old man Marley, I believed all of it. Um, I think I think you're with him. That, that's the thing, right? Mm. He never loses you through the whole film because uh, like we said, the booby traps and all that, are actually just a small chunk. Um, a lot of it is just him like going to church, going to the pharmacy, yeah. <laughs> interacting with people. You're so right. Um, the movie works because it solidly places him as a regular eight-year-old kid, not a super capable, intelligent genius, um, not someone who's overtly brave or anything. And even the point of view of the movie is very much a kid's point of view, right? I mean, these booby traps are the kind of thing that exactly that a kid would come up with. Um, one of my sort of underrated favourite scenes is that thing where um, where he set up all these like fake mannequins so that it looks like there's a party going on in the house. And then you see him sort of holding the strings and dancing along. Mm -hmm. And I love that scene because he looks like a kid, a real kid laughing and dancing. Um, watching it as an adult, something about that scene really made me so happy. 
I mean, speaking about the traps, right? Did anyone go looking for um, angels with filthy wings or angels with filthier, <laughs> oh, filthier wings? I or... love that. I love that fake movie. And yeah. I say, keep the change, you filthy animal, way too much <laughs> for my own good. I love that film. Um, I, I'd watch the heck out of it. I think that the, the plot line, even just in that small scene, appears to have holes the size of Alaska, but still, mm, you snakes know. Snakes and AC. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm all in. Um, I, I think that, uh, but, you know, it's interesting that you bring it up simply because it's weirdly well done, right? Um, and, and that perhaps yeah. is also the other thing about Home Alone that sets Home Alone and to a degree Home Alone 2. I, I have a soft spot for Home Alone 2, um, apart from the rest of the increasingly Fast and Furious level franchise that comes after. And it is the fact that it's actually a very well-made film. Uh, the set pieces are beautiful. The way it's shot, the, uh, to your point about it being shot from a kid's lens, um, it really makes the house look stupendous. You feel like mm. you're at the height of, you're, you're like three foot tall, you know? And I don't know, just the way it's done, the way it's edited, the way the music comes together, actually all of it leads to you watching a quality film, which if you watch a lot of children's entertainment isn't always the case. I haven't actually watched Home Alone 2 in a really long time either. And I kind of really want Tim to Tim Curry. I know. Um, but I think it's it's actually that for a kid's film. And I think even more so now where with all of the various kids programming that we get, we're very used to seeing kids entertainment feel and look almost cheap and throw away. Mm. This doesn't look like that. Like this looks like a quality, well-made film. I mean, with the family, you're supposed to think that the family is annoying or irritating or they're like, uh, you know, quote-unquote abandoned him and stuff. But if you really watch it, I love how 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 much depth the family has because they're just busy and you can tell. Like, as an adult, when you watch it, you're yeah. like, oh, they're busy. You know, they, I mean, they, they sh- you shouldn't leave a kid behind. Busy and raising like 40 kids. 40 kids like. in the same house. Uh, but, but you know, there's like, uh, there's like, they're not mean for mean's sake. It's just, mm. it's just who they are, right? Also speaking about the family, uh, Kieran Culkin, best cameo oh, in the movie. yes. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, saw him and thought, oh, you're going to grow up. <laughs> you're going to grow up and do really interesting things. <laughs> Did that expression things. remind you of an expression he's made in succession? Yes. Yeah, um, it was creepy. Um, also, the moment where he got squished, I'm like, yeah. I mean, th- that in some ways maybe is a spoiler for how Roman goes on succession for all we know. That could logically happen. Um, the family, the family, I think the, there the writing and editing really shines because mm. you're right, there's a weird amount of depth and yet most of them just get like one throwaway line, like les incompetents and stuff, you know, like they just get these little moments um, and yet you know what a dirtbag Uncle Frank is. Like you know it oh, in your yeah. heart mm-hmm. um, and you get how annoying the cousins are. Um, but at the same time, I also think that you get a sense of how much of a pain Kevin is. Mm, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that the, the meanness isn't unwarranted, but all of that happens in what is basically a 10-minute setup. It's also really interesting how they didn't have to get someone like John Candy to be mm. the guy who gives um, the mom, Catherine O'Hara, right back, right? Poker King. I know. And yeah. yet he gets this like great comedic scene. You get a like a, a road trip bit where he's like singing and uh, Catherine O'Hara is kind of just like stressing out majorly there. I, I love it. it. It's Again, it goes back to this movie didn't have to be this good. And yes, it, and yet it was. It was. Um, and also going back to, you know, uh, Kevin being annoying, you know this is not the first time he set up traps. Like, no one just figures that out overnight. Like, oh, here are two robbers. Let me figure out how to, like, these machinations of these traps or whatever. Where like, does he a... know where everything is? Exactly. Right. He's Including, the... like, some really, like, nails. Tar. Yeah. Yeah. He knows. 
He's done this before. Um, no which, wonder Buzz hates him. Probably no woke up with Ty in his bed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know that there are all these larger theories, right, about how Kevin is a psychopath. 100% Kevin's done this before. He has a weird understanding of his house. He's also very good at cleaning. Yeah. Just just a, yeah. a little observation there. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's really great at cleaning in time for Christmas. Well, so, so if you've seen The Good Son, you'll know why. I have to watch that movie now. Um, but I'm just saying though, I, I just want to shout uh, Home Alone 2 because I, I know that it's not called a good sequel to Home Alone. It's still an amazing movie. I love it so much. Like, yeah. I, I think that my memory of Home Alone 2 is actually stronger than that of Home Alone. Um, mm. You know, I, I have very distinct memories. I was like, so when's he going to meet the old lady? And then I realized, <laughs> wrong film. Um, so that's part and parcel, I think, of the beauty of rewatching. But also, 100% agree. I, I think that it doesn't get enough shine. The toy scenes are all in Home Alone too. That's right. Yeah. I thought they were in this one. That's because you're thinking so much of the. We're thinking of the snow, right? And the, I mean, they're both like Christmas time mm. movies. But Home Alone too is like the more Christmassy thing because it, I think it was built around the premise of being out for Christmas. Plus Donald Trump. Oh God, <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 I'm definitely going to watch it though. Uh, how, after how much I enjoyed this one, I think I'm definitely going to watch Home Alone. No, too. no, 100%. They're so rewatchable, like both of them especially, so, so rewatchable. Yeah. Um, and, and I could see myself coming back to this film in 10 years and identifying with a whole different part of the story, which is a strange thing to say again. But but I could see that happening. Maybe my Uncle Frank decade is, is just <laughs> is just waiting for me. Um, we've been talking today about Home Alone. Um, we'd like to hear from you. Have you watched it since it came out in 1990? Have you rewatched it? And did you enjoy? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at movies at bfm.my. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.